Chapter Twenty Six of Dread: A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Dread, Chapter Twenty Six: Millie's Return. The visit of Clayton and his sister, like all other pleasant things, had its end. Clayton was called back to his law office and books, and Anne went to make some summer visits, previous to her going to Clayton's plantation of Magnolia Grove, where she was to superintend his various schemes for the improvement of his Negroes. Although it was gravely insisted to the last that there was no engagement between Nina and Clayton, it became evident enough to all parties that only the name was wanting. The warmest possible friendship existed between Nina and Anne, and notwithstanding that Nina almost every day said something which crossed Anne's nicely adjusted views, and notwithstanding Anne had a gentle infusion of that disposition to sermonize, which often exists in very excellent young ladies, still the two got on excellently well together. It is to be confessed that the week after they left, Nina was rather restless and lonesome, and troubled to pass her time. An incident, which we shall relate, however, gave her something to think of, and opens a new page in our story. While sitting on the veranda after breakfast, her attention was called, by various exclamations from the Negro department on the right side of the mansion, and looking out to her great surprise, she saw Milly standing amid a group who were surrounding her with eager demonstrations. Immediately she ran down the steps to inquire what it might mean. Approaching nearer, she was somewhat startled to see that her old friend had her head bound up and her arm in a sling, and as she came towards her, she observed that she seemed to walk with difficulty, with a gait quite different from her usual firm, hilarious tread. "'Why, Milly,' she said, running towards her with eagerness, "'what's the matter?' "'Not much, child, I reckon. Now I's got home.' "'Well, but what's the matter with your arm?' "'No, great. That dar man shot me. But praise the Lord, he didn't kill me. I don't owe him no grudge, but—' I thought it wasn't right and fit that I should be treated so, and so I just put. Why, come in the house this minute, said Nina, laying hold of her friend and drawing her towards the steps. It's a shame. Come in, Milly, come in. That man, I knew he wasn't to be trusted. So this is the good place he found for you, is it? Just so, said Tom Tit, who at the head of the dark stream of young juveniles came after, with a towel hanging over one arm, and a knife half-cleaned in his hand, while Rose and Old Hundred and several others followed to the veranda. "'Laws a me!' said Aunt Rose. "'Just to think on it, guess what tis for old families to hide their niggers out to common people.' "'Well,' said Old Hundred, "'Millie was allers too high-feeling, held her head up too much.' Ain't no way surprised at all. Oh, go long, you old hominy beetle, said Aunt Rose. Don't know nobody that holds up their head higher nor you does. Nina, after having dismissed the special train of juveniles and servants, began to examine into the condition of her friend. The arm had evidently been grazed by a bullet, 
producing somewhat of a deep flesh wound which had been aggravated by the heat of the weather and the fatigue which she had undergone on removing the bandage around her head a number of deep and severe flesh cuts were perceived what's all this said nana it's why he hit me over the head he was in drink child he didn't well know what he was about what an abominable shame look here turning round to aunt nesbitt see what comes of hiring milly out i'm sure i don't know what's to be done said aunt nesbitt pitifully done why of course these are to be bandaged and put up in the first place said nina bustling about with great promptness tearing off bandages and wringing for warm water aunt milly i'll do them up for you myself i'm a pretty good nurse when i set about it bless you child but it seems good to be home among friends yes and you won't go away again in a hurry said nina as she proceeded rapidly with her undertaking washing and bandaging the wound there now you look something like and now you shall lie down in my room and take a little rest thank you honey child but i'll go on to my room "'Pears like it's more home-like,' said Milly, "'and Nina, with her usual energy, waited on her there, "'closed the blinds, and spread a shawl over her "'after she had lain down, "'and after charging her two or three times "'to go to sleep and to be quiet, she left her. "'She could hardly wait to have her get through her nap, "'so full was she of the matter, "'and so interested to learn the particulars of her story. "'A pretty business indeed,' she said to Aunt Nesbitt. "'We'll prosecute those people and make them pay dear for it.' "'That will be a great expense,' said Aunt Nesbitt apprehensively, "'besides the loss of her time.' "'Well,' said Nina, "'I shall write to Clayton about it directly. "'I know he'll feel just as I do. "'He understands the law and all about those things, "'and he'll know how to manage it.' "'Everything will make expense,' said Aunt Nesbitt in a deplorable voice. "'I'm sure misfortunes never come single. "'Now, if she don't go back, I shall lose her wages, "'and there's all the expenses of a lawsuit besides. "'I think she ought to have been more careful.' "'Why, Aunt, for pity's sake, "'you don't pretend that you wish Milly to go back?' "'Oh, no, of course I don't, but then it's a pity. "'It will be a great loss every way.' "'Why, Aunt, I really think as if you didn't think of anything but your loss.' "'You don't seem to think anything about what Milly has had to suffer.' "'Why, of course I feel sorry for that,' said Aunt Nesbitt. "'I wonder if she's going to be laid up long. "'I wish on the whole I had hired out one that wasn't quite so useful to me.' "'Now, if that isn't just like her,' said Nina in an indignant tone "'as she flung out of the room and went to look softly in at Milly's door. "'Never can see, hear, or think of anything but herself.' no matter what happens i wonder why milly couldn't have belonged to me after two or three hours sleep milly came out of her room seeming much better a perfectly vigorous physical system and vital powers all moving in the finest order enabled her to endure much more than ordinary and nina soon became satisfied that no material injury had been sustained and that in a few days she would be quite recovered and now milly do pray tell me where you have been and what this is all about why you see honey i was hired to mr barker and they said he was a mighty nice man and so he was honey most times but then you see honey there's some folks there's two men in em 
one is a good un and t'other is very bad well dis year was just dat sort you see honey i wouldn't go for to say dat he got drunk but he was dat sort dat if he took ever so little it made him kind of ugly and cross and so dare wa'n't no suitin' him well his wife she was pretty fair and so he was too set in spots he's one of these yer streaked men that has dreadful ugly streaks and some of them times the lord only knows what he won't do well you see honey i thought i was getting along right well at first and i was mighty pleased but dare was one day he came home and peered like dare couldn't nobody suit him well you see they had a gal there and she had a child and dish yer child was a little thing it got playing with a little burnt stick and it blacked one of his clean shirts i had just hung up for i had been ironing you see just then he came along and you never heard a man go on so i's heerd bad talk afore but i never heard no such he swore he'd killed a child and i thought my soul he would the poor little thing run behind me and i just kept him off on it cause i knowed he wasn't fit to touch it and then he turned on me and he got a cowhide and beat me over the head i thought my soul he'd kill me but i got to the door and shut the child out and hannah she took it and run with it but bless you it appeared like he was a tiger screeching and foaming and beating me i broke away from him and run he just caught the rifle he always kept one loaded and and shot at me and the ball just struck my arm and glanced off again bless the lord it didn't break it that thar was a mighty close run i can tell you but i did run cause thinks me there ain't no safety for me in that thar house and you see i run till i got to the bush and then i got to where there was some free colored folks and they did it up and kept me a day or two then i started and came home just as you told me to well said nina you did well to come home and i tell you what i'm going to have that man prosecuted oh laws no miss nina don't you goes doing nothing to him his wife is a mighty nice woman and appeared like he didn't rightly know what he was about yes but milly you ought to be willing because it may make him more careful with other people laws miss nina why there is some sense in that but i wouldn't do it as bearing malice not at all said nina i shall write to mr clayton and take his advice about it he's a good man said milly he won't say nothing that ain't right i spec that will do very well that thar way yes said nina such people must be taught that the law will take hold of them that will bring them to their bearings nina went immediately to her room and dispatched a long letter to clayton full of all the particulars and begging his immediate assistance our readers those who have been in similar circumstances will not wonder that clayton saw in this letter an immediate call of duty to go to canama in fact as soon as the letter could go to him and he could perform a rapid horseback journey he was once more a member of the domestic circle he entered upon the case with great confidence and enthusiasm it is a debt which we owe he said to the character of our state and to the purity of our institutions to prove the efficiency of the law in behalf of that class of our population whose helplessness places them more particularly under our protection they are to us in the condition of children under age and any violation of their rights 
should be more particularly attended to. He went immediately to the neighboring town where Milly had been employed, and found, fortunately, that the principal facts had been subject to inspection of white witnesses. A woman who had been hired to do some sewing had been in the next room during the whole time, and Milly's flight from the house, and the man firing after her, had been observed by some workmen in the neighborhood. Everything, therefore, promised well, and the suit was entered forthwith. This ends chapter 26. Millie's return.